It's simple, really. Great stories with a good cup of tea. It's the Tea with Mike show. Please welcome to today's episode of the Tea with Mike show, turning guest from just down the road in Lacombe, Alberta, Joe Phillips. Joe is the CEO of corporate social media agency, Joe's Social Media, executive director of the JYC. Joe's also a public speaker and a youth resilience coach. For those people that have been following the show for a long time, we know that Joe was on the show way back in the very early days in September 25th, 2019 on episode 27 of the Tea with Mike show. How are you doing, Joe? I'm good. I'm glad to be back. It's been really cool watching your growth, so I'm interested in how this one's going to go. I'm excited to catch up on some existing stuff and then some of the new things that you've been doing in the last two years with Mm -hmm. a global pandemic thrown into the middle. So let's maybe have like a 30-second context piece for those people that are new to the show. So who Mm -hmm. are you and what do you do? Mostly what I do is leadership. So I guide our team at Joe Social Media. We have a team of about 32. So it's a fairly large organization doing social media. So I'm the one that leads that business. I also am the leader, the person that leads the Joe Youth Creative, which is a program for kids to experience all of the really cool stuff about digital media and social media. With public speaking, I travel the province with my partner, Joe Whitbread, throughout the school year, speaking with kids about what they think is exciting about social media and also learning about some of their challenges, and then trying to help parents provide solutions to those challenges. And then most recently, I just finished my certification as a youth resilience coach, which I'm really excited about because if you know me, you know my passion is with kids. I just, I love working with kids and young adults. And so I'm really excited about that. And I'm going to be leaning into a coaching practice as well. Also very busy. And like you said, all centers around that core of like leadership and impacting Mm -hmm. people, but in lots of different segments, because often people tend to focus on like one segment, but it sounds like you've branched out over time into lots of different areas, obviously impacting kids, impacting mm-hmm. parents, educators, organizations on the Joe social media side. And it just sounds a really interesting mix. Yeah, because leadership to me isn't telling people what to do or guiding them. It's bringing them with you and helping them develop the skills to stand beside you. So I would say that almost everything I do is leadership. Fantastic. So in your bio, you mentioned that you have a degree in psychology focused on motivation and personality, and then also Mm -hmm. that have a minor in sociology from the University of Calgary. So just kind of briefly, what inspired you to study psychology? And then what did you learn about yourself from taking these classes and this kind of educational route? So I grew up, I was the second oldest of five kids raised by a single mom on social assistance and in a very small town with very conservative values. And so I just needed out. The way out for me was going to be through education because I did have the marks to do it. And so I just knew that whatever it was, I was going to go to university because I needed to have a different path. Psychology was on my radar because I love kids and I wanted to be a child psychologist. That was the the goal early on. So as I was going through university, I think it was my third year when I realized, and this is back in the 90s, so psychology has come so far and brain science is is just completely different. 
but it was it was so abstract and they wanted us to align with very specific theories and you had to decide on which way you wanted to go did you want to be union union or did you want to be Rogerian or and I was like this doesn't really fit for me I feel like what I want to be doing is just listening and helping so I decided not to go on I decided not to take my master's degree I wasn't going to be a psychologist instead I went into forex which is a completely different direction and then I went into entrepreneurship I haven't worked for somebody else since I was 24. Awesome. And then just kind of expand on that. How do you go from thinking you're going to go down this one path and then end up in the world of, like you said, entrepreneurship and digital and social media? So how does like Joe's social media come along and mm -hmm. how did it get started with the co-founder and someone that you work very closely with day-to-day, -day, mm -hmm. Joe Whitbread? Yeah, I would say that that's where the sociology part of my degree came in because sociology really is studying the patterns of people and how societies develop and all of that stuff, right? So that's something that I've always done is just kind of watched for what's going on, what the pattern is, where it's going, and it's the where it's going part I'm most interested in. And so when we decided to start in social media, again, it seems like all of my biggest choices happen when I'm in a point of crisis, but I had just lost my fitness business. I was in bankruptcy, I was very poor. I had three kids to support on my own. So I needed something. And the, what I saw was the need for social media for business. And this is in 2012. So it wasn't nearly as complex as it is now. And so I sat down with Joe Whitbread on a patio. He was doing sales for a radio station, hated his job too, and just kind of figured this out. And we launched our business about three months later and we haven't looked back. That's awesome. So what advice would you give based off your own life journey and professional experience to people that might be struggling, maybe in a toxic environment or even a relationship? Yeah, just what advice would you give to somebody that's looking to make a major change but doesn't quite know how if they've hit kind of rock mm -hmm. bottom? I think that you don't need to know what's next. All you need to know is it's not this. And if you know it's not this, then the next day is going to be better no matter what. So if you do make those scary decisions, it's uh, there's a quote, something about 20 seconds of bravery. All, all it takes is 20 seconds. And it's so true because once those 20 seconds are over, the feeling you have, there, there's no feeling like hope. And you don't have hope when you're in crisis. And you can give yourself that, though, with those 20 seconds of bravery in knowing not this and then starting over the next day. Nice. And then also, where can people look for maybe like sources of inspiration? It's one thing mm -hmm. to be like, okay, I'm going to make this big leap of faith, take this big risk, but where can people find that extra, I guess, support mechanism kind of step? Is it in a book? Is it people around them? That type of thing. Yeah, all of the above. You can't do this alone. You can't do life alone. And sometimes when you've been beaten down or you're really stressed you tend to like push everyone away and you really try to solve your own problems but you can't do it alone if you're a book person I highly recommend anything by Brendan Burchard but really the motivation manifesto is a really great place to start if you're really struggling with situational depression and things like that reaching out like do your research so if you're planning on leaving a relationship and you have kids go research the benefits that the government will provide for you and how quickly you can get those 
uh, reach out to organizations like in Central Alberta, it would be the Outreach Centre. They can provide you with information about housing and things like that. The government has so many grants, like emergency rent grants and all of that stuff. There's lots of stuff out there. But the other thing is, don't broadcast your crisis on social media, but do use social media with your core friends to let them know what's going on so that they can help you too. It's all about that trust factor, isn't it? You know, keeping it to the people that you know in real life, not just on social media. And I'm sure that's also a message that you present in schools and parents in, in that whole topic of kind of privacy and digital mm-hmm. versus offline, right? Yeah, yeah. The whole world doesn't need to know. And you don't need to, specifically if you're leaving a relationship, you don't need to get your side said to the whole world. You don't need to do damage control. You don't need to broadcast how you're feeling and all of that stuff because it is going to end. That's the thing. Like every, every feeling is fleeting. Feelings aren't permanent. And that feeling that you have when you're typing something out a year from now, you may be in a new relationship or you may be like in Cuba living the life or, you know, like you never know. And you just don't need that stuff dragging behind you. And it's also a valid point to mention that I guess everything that you put on social media stays on social media, right? So be careful what you put, I guess, because there's always a history and those things called memories and archives can actually come back to bite you. And we and we see that all the time, right? In Hollywood, I know that's a very big example, but just be careful what you do, right? Exactly. It's something that's really impacting kids right now because a lot of the platforms have that memories feature right? And it pops up. And do you really like the stuff that you were going through in grade nine? Do you really want that coming up in grade 12? Or like, you know, when you're 22? So yeah, just be be a little cognizant of that. Cool. And a little later, we're going to get into all that school presentation side. But, but first, when you were setting up Joe's social media, like what was mm-hmm. some of the original goals with the vision? Did you think it was going to get to where it is now, like 10 years ago plus, I guess now? When we set up Joe's social media, yeah, it was 10 years ago. We have our 10 year anniversary coming up here. When, when we set it up, we had three mission statements and one rule. The mission statement was, we're going to love what we do. We're not gonna be motivated by money and we're gonna be flexible with our time because our kids are growing up fast and we wanna spend time with them. That was our mission statement. And the rule was, I will never have payroll again, which we, busted that rule so hard in like 2016, 2017. We have so much payroll now. It's such a pain in the butt. But uh, (laughs) We try to stay aligned with the other stuff. So as our business has grown, specifically the we won't be motivated by money, we aren't uh, the highest paid in our organization. We aren't any profit that Joe Social Media makes goes into kids programs or back into the community, or we create jobs. So we don't have a massive bank account of money that uh, when we make profit, it just went to the to ownership because we operate as a social enterprise. So we've kind of stayed aligned with that. The flexible with our time thing got thrown out the window as our business grew. There were things that we couldn't have seen. We couldn't have seen how big Facebook was gonna get, how complex Instagram was going to become. It was a picture platform in 2012, and it wasn't even available on Android until later in the year. So we couldn't have foreseen that. TikTok wasn't even on the radar, Discord, you know, all of these things. So we didn't know how complex it was going to get. And the complexity means that you can't have quite as much free time as you could have in social media back then. 
Gotcha. And so kind of as you've been growing the business, obviously, like we mentioned earlier, alongside your Whitbread, what are some of the skills that you've personally developed along the journey? Because I'm sure there's many. There are many. My my motto is, I don't know, but I'll find out. And that has really been how we've done this, is every single time we saw not saw an opportunity, learning was required. And I'm the learner. So so I would do the learning and I would figure out how it would work because again, at the, at the time in social media, there wasn't a template, there weren't social media businesses. So we had to figure out how to apply other business models to a new, to a new industry. So lots and lots of learning. I had to learn a lot about building systems, a lot about product development, leadership, I just really have invested a lot in learning about leadership and guidance as our team has grown, culture building, things like that. So just so much learning. I'm not the same person now that I was 10 years ago. And the person 10 years ago couldn't do this job that I do today. That's true because, uh, yeah, like you say, like technology's changed, information has developed, processes mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So like we've already said, you're very busy and you're also an award-winning public speaker in schools. So how did that start, I guess, listening to kids, like listening to kids and helping them with how they use social media and the difficulties and kind of opportunities that they experience in their mm-hmm. life? So it started, I think, around 2015 or 2016. It's all so long ago now. We were invited into a school uh, in Red Deer. They wanted us to come in and talk about cyberbullying because we're social media experts. So we prepared a presentation. We're all excited. We're going to go in. We're going to talk to kids about how cyberbullying happens and how they can deal with it. So we went in and we started talking to them and we realized we weren't connecting and, and very quickly understood that what adults think is happening isn't what's happening. So that on our very first day, we decided that what we would do was listen instead. We turned the mic over to the kids and we've done that ever since. We've spoken with over 70,000 kids and we go in and we ask them a whole bunch of questions and they give us all of the answers that we need in order to give parents better tools. What parents hear is all the negative stuff, the dangerous stuff. And parents do need to hear that stuff. That stuff absolutely does go on, but they also need to hear about the opportunity. And they need to learn how to guide both rather than ignoring, like saying, well, you just can't have Snapchat because all this bad stuff happens on Snapchat. It doesn't help kids. Instead, we have to allow them to be able to talk to us when bad stuff happens. We have to be aware of what's going on, not through listening devices and not through this new Snap feature where you can watch your kids' messages and all of that bullshit. Like just not through that, but by through parenting, by being the adult in the relationship that is there to listen and provide them with some wisdom and support. That's crazy. I'm not involved with kids in, in teaching them about social media. So I didn't necessarily know that there's now listening devices where you can listen in. That's like there's, FBI level. Yeah, oh, there's so, there, there's so many tools that parents, and all it does is drive their kids underground. That's all it does. It just drives them underground. And that's where kids are in danger is when there's not somebody that supports them. Awesome. And then so this is kind of an extension of what you were just talking about. But I understand from reading an article in the Red Deer Advocate 
you discovered that children and adults, they use social media in different ways. So can you maybe break down some of the differences, maybe even some of the similarities, and then maybe expand on some of the challenges that it specifically creates for the kids, I guess? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So the predominant reasons why kids would have a device out or would be using social media, and those are two different things. Devices and social media are two different things. So a device doesn't necessarily, if their device is out, that doesn't necessarily mean they're on social media. But if a kid has a device out and using social media, they're most likely talking with friends. That's the top reason why they would have their device out. They're likely learning something, using it to research something, watching videos of somebody they're interested in to get better at skills. They, They really lean into their passions through their social media or they're having fun. They're playing games, they're like watching stuff that makes them happy, they're creating, which isn't a bad thing at all. Oh, but those are the, yeah. right, those are all good things. Some of them are exploring entrepreneurship. Now, when an adult has their device out and it's not for work, then they tend to have their device out because they're bored. Very often will have their device out while they're watching something. Uh, like they're watching a, a football game or they're watching Grey's Anatomy and their device is out. So they're doubling up while blaming kids for spending too much time. Adults are more likely to use social media because they're lonely or to try to get people to believe things about their life. So they're, they're publishing a perfect image. Kids aren't necessarily doing that as much. And then adults are far, far more likely to be disrespectful, unkind or bully on social media. Far more likely. So very different experiences, but what adults think is that their experience is the kid experience. And of course you want to keep your kids away from that. Like, of course you would, right? But that's not the experience they're having. So what adults need to do is they need to start listening to kids and start asking better questions and not assuming they know what they're doing. It's not, why do you have your device out? It's, what are you doing right now? Who are you, who are you talking with? Giving them, but not in an inquisitive manner, like not like you're there's a shining light on them and just like in a like just this is life sort of thing and encouraging them if they start talking about Minecraft listen ask them questions don't you don't need to know how things work you just want to know why and that's the question you can keep asking I I love to play Minecraft why because I can build this this really special world and I have this world I have this server with my friends why because then we can all build the same world all at the same time. And we can, like at Easter, we're going to hide Easter eggs. Why? Because it's really cool, mom. You know, like it just, it generates a better conversation than rather than I really love Minecraft. Why? Well, because I get to build worlds. That makes no sense to me. Yeah. Two different conversations. So it's all about having that proactive conversation to encourage creativity whilst also in a subtle way having a little bit of a oversight what's going on, but but mm-hmm. allowing the kid to grow up and live life at the same time. So it's a healthy exactly. but Because that kid, if they've told you about their server, every once in a while you can check in. You can say, how's your Minecraft realm? And they can say, well, this one kid came in and he smashed up all of our stuff. How'd that make you feel? How'd you deal with that? Well, we banned him. Were you kind when you banned him? <laughs> you know, like it just leads to some good conversations, but it's because you've, you've built the trust and you've built the base of it. Fantastic. And we're going to dive back into this in just a few seconds. But the key fact for the episode is 
A cup of tea contains the same amount of antioxidants as 10 glasses of juice. And that comes from raincitytea.com slash blogs. So that is today's tea fact for the episode. Good to know. Actually, that's good to know. <laughs> it's going to be worrying probably when I run out of tea facts and then I'm going to have to get creative again. I don't know what I'll do. Uh, eventually, there'll be there'll, there's only so many like tea facts out there, and if I keep like rolling with the with the show and the podcast, I I have to get creative. You might have to lean into things like tea ceremony and stuff. Mm, interesting, kind of like expand it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it'll be respectful. Did Did you know facts about past episodes of the show and guests? <laughs> almost, almost more like like trivia, right? Did yeah. you know that three past tea with my guests were on the following TV shows or TV? Pro- That's quite interesting. Totally. And you better start keeping those stats now, though. <laughs> Make it easy. Build a system, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then so just carrying on for a few moments ago, what is the most common question that you get asked by adults and kids when you're doing the different sessions with them in the schools? And how do you respond? Because obviously you're an adult. You have kids, and it, so how do you answer neutrally based off experience versus necessarily mm-hmm. your own life, right? Yeah, I would say the top question we're asked is the how old should they be question. So we try to give them facts based off of like the the trends within the age groups and tell them what age they should be starting the conversation. Like we can tell you that before COVID, then about 50% of grade fives were using Snapchat and very few grade fours. After COVID, now it's 50% of grade fours. So there's been a massive shift. The conversation has to start earlier. Does that mean you get your kids Snapchat? No, but it does mean you need to be talking about it because it exists within their friends. So what we advise parents to do, especially if they have younger kids, is to find out what the friend group is doing. If one kid is using Snapchat or Instagram or Discord or whatever it is, then it's not really a big deal. But if two or three of their friend group is using that platform, it's very likely that your kid is being asked to participate or they're feeling left out by not. And so that does mean that we have to allow them to participate in a guided manner that that we're aware of, because that's also the time when kids set up secret accounts and that makes them very vulnerable. Do you personally find it alarming, like when you just told me that kids in grade four and five around Snapchat, that just blew my mind. I find it alarming. I, I don't, I do find it alarming if parents aren't aware that it's happening. Right. I don't find it alarming if it's supervised use, because essentially it's just texting. It's, it's, and the reasons why kids in grade four, five, and six would be using Snapchat is because they don't have a phone. They only have a device. They don't have a phone number or they have friends who don't have phone numbers. And with Snapchat, you don't need that. So they're using it to, like, they're using it as an inclusive measure, not an exclusive measure in order to allow all of, all of their friends to be able to text with each other. So I don't, I don't find that alarming. What I do find alarming is the kids whose parents don't know who their friends are on Snapchat or how many they have or how often they're doing it. You got to know that stuff if they're that young using it. So again, in your bio, you mentioned that you have a youth resilience coach certification. So why did mm-hmm. you kind of decide to study for this? And what was the most challenging thing about 
achieving the certification? This was a challenging certification to achieve. It was a lot of work, especially given all of the other stuff I do. So I had to put aside three hours a week for coursework for the last six months, and then also did a lot of practice coaching, tons of practice coaching. So it was about 10 hours a week that I had to build out for the last six months in order to achieve this. So it was a lot of work. I had originally thought about going back to get my master's degree and become a child psychologist. And the more I thought about it, the more like I, I don't want to deal with trauma. I want to help kids where they are, build on the skills they have and just help them see that they have everything they need to get where they want to be. So youth resilience coaching is evidence-based coaching, which means that there's no, I don't get to put in my opinion. I don't provide mentorship. I don't provide tools or anything like that with the young adults that I'm coaching or the kids I'm coaching. I look at the tools they have, and then we build on them, but they do most of the work. I just ask questions and then they have homework and build out their, their own goals. It's incremental success, but it's success that they can rely on rather than revisiting the past over and over and over. And so do you know how many hours you've invested into that? Cause I think I looked it up like briefly when I was doing some research obviously before this and I saw over a thousand hours and you can definitely correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't know. I don't pay attention to that stuff. At the end of the day, I don't look at how I spend my hours. I look at how I feel at the end of the day. And that's really the goal. How, how do I want to feel at the end of the day? And so how are some of the skills that obviously you developed during this course? How are they helping you day to day in your, in your personal and professional life? Mm. They make me a better executive. They, because sometimes when things are going wrong, your inclination is to fix them, but that doesn't build a, a strong team, right? It kind of builds on sand rather than brick. So with, and I don't know how much my managers have enjoyed this. <laughs> but, <laughs> we've done a lot of skill development over the last six months as well in me working with them to use their own skills rather than relying on somebody else to provide the guidance. So that's been really helpful and very, very helpful with me as a parent of young adults. I have a 17-year-old, a 19-year-old, and a 20-year-old. So with my 19-year-old and 20-year-old, guiding them through this part of life, all I want to do is give them advice, but it doesn't help them. What does help them is meeting them where they are and then asking good questions to get them through what's challenging them. Nice. So then in 2020, so a little while ago now, you started out Joe Youth Creative again, along with Joe Whitbread. So what is mm -hmm. Joe Youth Creative and what were kind of some of your initial goals for it? The initial goal of Joe Youth Creative was to be able to provide opportunity for kids with digital without financial barriers or economic barriers attached. So what we find, what we've been finding is that the kids with money have more opportunity but the internet provides opportunity for everyone. And so, and it's not really fair to only be guiding the kids who have financial opportunity, right? So we decided that the Youth Creative, what Joe Youth Creative would be free programming for all kids. So it doesn't matter. And they can come in, they can learn Twitch, they can learn YouTube, TikTok. We've done entrepreneur courses, tons of gaming, so much gaming art and animation, just whatever the kids want. And the unusual thing about our program is that it is led by the kids. So our motto is by kids with kids for kids. All of the coaches are 18 years old or younger. 
and then there's there's a supervisor for them to come to should they need an adult resource but the programs are led by the kids the kids tell us what they want to learn the kids tell us what they want to do and then we develop out of that rather than us deciding what we need them to learn what we think they should do so it's kind of a backwards program Based off what I've seen on social media, it looks fun. I wish it was something I had when I was like way younger, because I guess when there wasn't any programs to help foster the next generation, like there's only a certain age you can start learning about this stuff, which is weird. And, and if you learn about it earlier, you might either decide to change your career path, you might, you might not go to college and think you can do it by yourself and just like kind of roll with it. So more that entrepreneurship route, especially in Central Alberta, I feel like it's a little more underdeveloped versus maybe some other places in Europe or even like the States, right? Yeah, absolutely. What most often happens, according to what the kids tell us in schools, is that they see the opportunity. They can be in grade six and be like, I can really do this. I want to start a Twitch channel. I can do this. I can make money doing this. And when they get to the point where they need some adult support, the adult tells them it's stupid or it's a waste of their time or they devalue it in a sense of like, well, you need to go to university and become a lawyer. The kid's in grade six and has 56,000 subs on Twitch. Like, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> like, that just needs support. Help them build that business. And so it, it's a different mindset to see that kids can start their careers now that they can start learning in the direction of their passion now. The artists now, because of the art support that they can access through Twitch, or sorry, through TikTok and YouTube, they can learn from the best in the world at 10 years old. And their skill development is just phenomenal versus what it was for the previous generation. So we just have to look at it as uh, it is a different world. We need to quit trying to apply what our world was like and understand that is not the world our kids are going to work in. It's not even close. Yeah. Have you ever considered, because maybe a parent's like reaction to some of the things that you, you were saying is because they're scared that they don't know the knowledge and they, it's not just something like you said that they've ever experienced. Have you ever considered mm-hmm. teach adults how to run Twitch? Like 40 plus is the class, you know? <laughs> Isn't that yeah. Yeah. Uh, the funny thing is that even if we taught an adult how to do Twitch, they're going to do it in an adult way, right? There's uh, like you, once you're 40, you're always going to have a 40 year old perspective. You're always going to have bias. You're going to have the experiences and and a, a position of power and expectation that you don't have when you're 15. So even, so it's always going to be different. And our 15 year olds who are doing it now when they're 30 are going to be doing it differently than the kids who are 15. So, yeah. That's an interesting perspective. It makes sense why you can't teach a brand new thing completely to someone that grew up differently, right? Yeah, well, you you can teach it to them. They're just not going to do it the same way, which isn't a bad thing. Should there be 40 plus on Twitch? Yeah, there should, because that would grow the 40 plus Twitch audience. Because what, what, what somebody my age sees is they see somebody playing a video game and then somebody in the corner screaming. That's what we see, <laughs> and that's, but that's not what kids see, right? And so somebody older might bring a different vibe to it. Maybe there's jazz music playing while it's happening. There you know? go, <laughs> opening up yeah. a new lane, you know? It's, it's exactly. a niche, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I think there's an opportunity for someone maybe older to like, that's not already well-known and already a, a, a celebrity mm-hmm. to like do something like that, right? Yeah, lean in. Mm-hmm. 
So what's kind of the most rewarding about working with the kids at Joe's Youth Creative and why? Oh man, I just love it. What's most, like, I don't know what's most rewarding. The The minute I walk in and I get to fist bump them and it's, it's just really, in knowing that there are kids who weren't served in the community who have a place, I think is the biggest thing because the kids that go there, there's there's kids on the autism on the autism spectrum obviously right like because like why not they they zone in very specific parts of Pokemon and things like that we support that kids with anxiety we have a place called the UFO which is just a room that looks down onto the whole space and so they can go up there if they're feeling uncomfortable and the kids who are bullied and they find friends there. And so they look forward to coming because that's where their friendships are. And the kids who are only kids, and this is the place where they come, where they have brothers and sisters. And like, it's just like, and then at the same time, there's things like they play in real life among us. We try to take their video games and put them into real life as often as possible in games. So they play in real life among us and I'll be sitting in my office and all of a sudden I'll hear a kid scream, alert, (laughs) or or you can't say that you're dead. Like things like that are like also very rewarding because it's, it's just so random. Do you make it a part of your weekly schedule to try and get down there once a week? Yeah, I'm there because I'm, because I'm the executive director, I need to be there to support our program directors. So I'm there Monday, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, just in my office. But I, I come in, I, I know all of the kids, they know me. I greet them when I come in. If there's a kid in the space, we say hello, ask them what's up, what are they going to do today, sort of thing. And they know that they can come talk to me. Although if you're in trouble at the JYC, you also have to talk to me. And that's not something anyone looks forward to. (laughs) Yeah. There's always things that need tidying up and cleaning up, right? Yeah, exactly. Nice. What are your goals for Joe Youth Creative and how would you kind of like to see it grow over, let's say, the next five years? We want a Joe Youth Creative in every, every community, honestly. That's that's the goal. How are we going to do that? It's a pretty big, pretty big goal. So, yeah, we're looking at bigger partners in order to do some sponsorship for it. We're not going to make it a nonprofit because we don't want adults to have control over what it is. And as soon as you bring a board in, then that will impact it. So so we're not going to have it be a nonprofit, but we're trying to figure out how we can have it as a program that can be like kind of a universal program. Awesome. Big dreams, right? This was like, correct me again if I'm wrong, but almost like the next big dream, like 2012 was sitting on the on the patio, like planning out Joe's yeah. social media. And now yeah. fast forward to 2022, it's building Joe Youth Creative into different communities, right? Well, the coolest thing about having built a business like Joe's Social Media and having gone through what we've gone through is that we don't believe things are impossible. Like everything's possible. Joe and I used to do a thing and we have to do it again. We actually have a meeting to do it next week. But we used to sit down once a year on a patio and write down our biggest dream. And that's what it was called. It was the biggest dream. We'd set a timer for 15 minutes. We'd each write it out different, didn't look at it, didn't talk about it. And then we would fold it up and we'd pin it to the bulletin board. And that was it. I didn't know what his was. I, he didn't know what mine was. We never looked at it again. And then a year later, we would open them up and we had always accomplished it. But like the biggest dream 
Like at one point it was, we want an office with a bathroom. Like that was the biggest dream. We could not fathom being able to afford an office with our own bathroom. And now I'm like, that was, that was as big as we could go. So, so we started going like ridiculously big, you know, like we want to be booked for conferences and stuff like that. And that's starting to happen too. So everything's possible. This is a little bit different and you may not know, but what do you think social media will kind of look like in 10 years time? And basically how will you keep up with any, like, I guess, potential changes out there to whatever that may look like? Yeah. What will it look like in 10 years time? If Gen Z and Gen Alpha have their say, it's going to be very dark back end, not public. So it, we're not going to have quite so much of this, everything's published all the time sort of thing that the adults do with the next generation and they're kind of going to drive it. That means that marketing is going to change. So how are we going to deal with that? No idea. The tools, the tech changes so fast. The tech that's coming is just, we can't even, we can't even anticipate how to integrate it because our brains aren't going to be able to wrap around it for a little while. But knowing that it's coming means that at least you're putting some thought toward things like holograms and virtual reality being integrated into almost everything and stuff like that. So there's such cool stuff. Like, and, and if that's being thought of now, what's going to be thought of next year? Like, mm. You can't have a 10-year plan in social media, but what you can do is be adaptive and shift your products according to what your audience needs and your audience what we call the dinosaurs are always going to be behind so like in the 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 craziest thing about the pandemic is that it forced almost all businesses to go social there were people buying websites there were people starting facebook and starting instagram and starting all of these that and they thought they didn't need them it was 2020 and they didn't have websites so there's this massive group still of dinosaurs that are just dragging along. So if you're in social media, those, those dinosaurs are going to provide you with a stable income. Are you going to grow? No, you're not. And are their businesses going to shift so that maybe they integrate social media managers into their organization? Probably. At which point you need to be a little bit ahead to, to offer them products that their internal social media managers can't do. Very well said. So how do you look after uh, your physical and mental like, health on a daily basis and just ensuring that healthy work-life balance? Mm-hmm. I, I'm so lame. I do all sorts of things. So I start my day, I start my day with yoga, eight minutes specifically, eight minutes of stretching. I grind my coffee. And so while my coffee's brewing, I do my stretching. I do some, I listen to a growth podcast in the morning while I'm getting ready. And I really make sure that my morning has space. So I don't book meetings until 10 a.m. usually so that I have that space to get ready because I'm very aware of my, I'm an introvert. I'm a very, I'm a big introvert. So I'm very aware of protecting my energy. So I do that in the morning when I'm at work, I make sure I set an alarm. So I work for 50 minutes and then I take a 10 minute break. I block my time. I use a uh, Brendan Burchard's high performance planner. So I know how my day is going to go. I anticipate what might go wrong, all of that stuff. Set my tone. Yeah. So I use an alarm throughout the day, 50 minutes, 10 minute break over and over and over. And then I go to the gym. I go to the gym for about an hour and a half to two hours, three to four times a week. 
and lift like heavy stuff and it's awesome. And then I walk as often as possible because I love nature. So it sounds like you do a lot of exercise and fitness. Do you think that helps A, with your productivity, but also yeah. with your stamina? Absolutely. I always say when you are strong, you can, it's easy to feel strong, right? So, and I'm, I'm strong. So it, it does help that it for sure helps my stamina. It also helps my recovery because if I'm angry or irritated, if I just go burn that off, I can come back in a better mindset and I'm a better leader. I'm a better parent. I'm a better partner. Cool. Everybody knows to let me have my gym time. <laughs> but I don't contact you between this time and this time. Yeah. Well, you can, because there's three minutes of rest between sets quite often. So there's very often, like, I'll be answering emails while I'm <laughs> waiting between sets. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Does anyone, when you're working in the office, ever comment, like, on your 50-minute alarms? So like, oh, there's Joe's 50 minutes. Yes. Yeah, they comment on my alarms all the time. I do. I have other alarms. Like, if I'm really struggling with, I don't like obligation, and I never really wanted a desk job, and yet I have both. And so I have an alarm that when I'm struggling with that and I'm frustrated that this is what I'm doing right now, it says bring fun Joe to the office. And so I'll set that alarm. So it will come on. It goes off at like 11.02 in the morning and they'll go, is that the bring fun Joe? Like, <laughs> can, can we have fun Joe come now? Is that the alarm? <laughs> so yeah, my team makes fun of my alarms all the time. So is that also a piece of advice you, or something you would encourage people to try, like try different strategies for productivity, like setting alarms? Because mm -hmm. I mean, some people might find alarms super annoying, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and honestly, like what during the school year, when I'm public speaking, the alarms are super annoying. Like I sometimes forget to turn them off and then my pocket will be buzzing while I'm talking. And it's like, ah, I'm supposed to be bringing fun, Joe, but like turn that alarm off, right? No, there's, you, you do have to identify. And, and I think like that's where coaching comes in is in identifying what works for you. You can read, you can get all of these skills. So you can take courses, all of that stuff, get a list of stuff. But if it doesn't work for you, then it's just, it's just a bunch of money and a bunch of time you invested in learning about other people's styles, right? So I would say if you're struggling, then get a coach. Even if you spend one session sorting that out, you'll be further ahead. Nice. And so as we come towards the end, what's kind of next for you personally and professionally? Oh, I'm kind of trying to sort that out. So my youngest kid graduates this year. And so that doesn't pin me to a location anymore, which is like for me exciting because I, I don't like to stay. So I don't know. I, I know that I have to stay on as CEO of Joe Social Media for probably another two or three years so that we can create an exit plan there, but that does require me staying there. The Joe Youth Creative, we're looking at expanding into Red Deer this fall, so we're building on that side. Do I want to be guiding that? No, I don't think I do. Building my coaching practice is something I'm really excited about because that's where I get my most fulfillment. And then our public speaking, getting on stage, I think we're going to do a lot of that and I hope to do a lot of that in, in the next couple of years. So, yeah. Also, and then one final thing based off everything you're experiencing in real time. So I don't have a prediction like industry wise, really. I have, um, 
a couple things that I have been saying often because I'm asked often about it. What do you think of this next generation? And I'm excited. I'm excited about Gen Z. I'm excited about Gen Alpha because they create change so quickly and they don't put up with stuff nearly as long as we did. And they don't believe in the systems. They, they simply don't believe in the systems that we bought into. So what I'm excited about is the fact that the boomers are going to retire and there's not enough Gen X to fill the power positions, which is going to force younger people into power positions faster, which is going to just blow up everything. And I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens when that, when that comes about. The piece of advice that I would give, because I'm 47 and I speak a lot with parents, is that, yes, your kids are going to grow up fast, but on the other side, your parents are aging that fast too. So while you're looking down at your kids, also remember, look up at your parents. Ooh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, Miles, thank you for coming back onto the Tea with Mike show and sharing some updates on some of the new stuff that you've got going on. And then uh, obviously a little bit of continuation from the last episode in September 2019. Now I have to start remembering dates as the show gets like, older. <laughs> so. Good luck with that, Mike. <laughs> Like I say, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing a little bit more of your story. And I always enjoy having you on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. You're welcome. All right, everyone. This was another episode of the Tea with Mike show with returning guest, Joel Phillips, really talking about social media, just a general conversation on what might happen in the future and maybe how we should consider other perspectives and even new perspectives. And so if you enjoyed this episode of the Tea with Mike show, and make sure you check out some of the other great stories from people all over the world at teawithmike.com and on all the other major podcasting platforms. Thanks, Joe. It's the Tea with Mike show.